Yeah, I rec- rarely recognize that term, being having fear-based behavior. Uh, my pivot on that notion is that I want loved-based behavior. When I look at my kids, talk to my kids, love-based, lo- you know, let's uh, let's make decisions based on a love. You know, what's good for us right now? What do we need to do? Good morning, Native America. Hey, I'm Santana. And I'm Haley. I'm Bella. And this is Young and Indigenous Podcast. And I'm here with Tana. Young and Indigenous Podcast is an outlet for people to know about Indigenous knowledge, storytelling, and history. Through our youthful journeys as Indigenous people, through these stories, young people and elders share their experiences with us. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. About to tell some red stories. Stay tuned. Here we are on set with Sam Bob for CSSP's pilot episode of our first narrative series. This series is based around youth mental health and really finding your identity and culture. It's a coming of age story of a group of kids freshly out of high school and really just struggling to find their identity and it's their journey. The Yay team has been having so much fun here. We all have roles in production and we're set designing and we're helping with wardrobe and it's a super cool experience. And we had the privilege of interviewing some of the actors and this is our interview with Sam Bob. Just tell me who you are and where okay. you're from and um, kind of just a little about you and what you do. Uh, uh, Sam Bob, Snotnaus First Nations, Vancouver Island. I come from, uh, my mother is from the Likes and Reserve uh, on, uh, in the Gulf Islands. And I was raised in Nanus Bay with my parents and then uh, then I was raised with my grandparents in Cowichan uh, for three years before I went to residential school at Cooper Island Res and then moved back to Vancouver and moved to LA and moved and and I've been living in Vancouver Canada for the last chunk of years and raising four children there and uh, currently employed uh, as a full-time actor and writer and it's really cool to be here to work on canoe journeys it's just it's surreal uh, it's a surreal uh, labor of love from everybody involved i can see i'm excited to see the 
Uh, I'm so excited to see the show when it comes out and working on it. Wow. Um, you, you've been through the residential school? Yeah. yeah. I, was, I, went to grade, I went to grades one and two in residential school and uh, survivor. And, and, and yeah, the dark side of it, for sure. My, my, uh, all, all my siblings all went. And my parents both went, but not my grandparents. My parents both went, and and so it was. Um, so it's really part of, for me, uh, the 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 thing that I've seen is that being part of history, you know, going through that, and but but not wanting to be part of history, because I don't want my kids to be part of history. I don't want my grand my grandchildren to be part of history. I want them to be themselves. I don't want them to be. You know, like burnt toast, you know, smelling that smell, whatever it is in the house. I don't want that anymore. You know, I want clear, clean living for them and clean new beginnings for our children and our grandchildren. So I'm very happy to leave it in the past, and but I'm totally willing to talk about it with my kids to, in order that, you know, that we learn something. Because it is, the effects of it are still around, whether we like it or not, the intergenerational effects regardless of your opinions those are still affecting our young people and I don't like that definitely I know our, before our chief passed away he said one of the things that we needed to do was to get the stories out of those of the residential schools and after that you know that happened actually after you know he passed so I think of just you're like the first person that I've actually got to be in contact with because I did I was doing some research on it and then I kind of stopped because I just it's a little a lot right now so yeah My mother, she was uh, told me about her experiences. You know, it was very hardcore. the 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 previous our our parent, uh, the previous generation always has it a bit harder because uh, my mom was like in the in the fifties, in the forties and fifties or whatever, growing up. My dad too, and the Port Alberni Res was one of the most one of the worst res schools in the history of Canada. And uh, my dad was there. And I had a um, uh, an uncle and an aunt that that died as children that were murdered as children in, in Port Alberni Res. And um, my dad and I were looking at opening up uh, criminal proceedings about that because we can't let it be forgotten, can't let them be forgotten. And my mom, I, she told me about her experiences going through, you know, the starvation. The starvation of uh, you know having to steal food for us it was um for me and my, uh, my siblings it was it was hard too like the uh, 
the psychological, physical, sexual abuse, you know, that was all there. Because they didn't, they hired anybody to work in res schools back then. Mm -hmm. And um, they didn't keep the creeps out or whatever, so. Yeah, and that's, and I could see, um, I could see like you're just, like you're just putting your kids in landmines when you put them in places like that, and 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 just uh, overcoming it has been uh, for me. I've been 18 years sober. Well, I've had to be because I just you know you can't medicate um, those kind of issues away. So you can't self-medicate those things away. So, so I needed to do some deep healing, which I, well, I believe in my culture, and I believe in, and um, you know, any kind of help, self-help, self-healing, because that's who my grandmother was. I was lucky because I was raised by my grandmother before I was in school, and and she um, she did a lot of, you know, in our, you, you know, about our our traditions, our culture. She did a lot of work on me. You know, um, you know, like a, a lot of uh, spiritual and, and uh, mental, and like healing work on me as a child, and I really, I really felt that. I really felt that that I had to key on that. I, that I had to pivot on that in order to become um, the the I want because I got four kids. I want them to do well, and I got three grandchildren, and I want them to do well. And I've got one great grandchild now. Yeah, <laughs> he's um, yeah, he's one years old. My son and his, my son and his girlfriend, they had a baby very young, and then she, my granddaughter, ended up having a baby very young. So I'm like, I'm like a very, it's really well, I guess Indian country, right? You're gonna have this, uh, these things happen, but yeah, and. Uh, I just have so much um, hope for the the future generations. I just met. I just I, I'm well. I'm I've got a neat a cousins here in Seattle, and I went to visit them. And I met my uh, my cousin's granddaughter, and she is just a ray of sunshine, a beam of like positivity and hope. And I just she reminds me of my my kids, right? And I'm like. It is it, it is uh, something that we were working through, and and the the psychology about growing up in residential school, like any institution thing, is um, the it is a condition a negative conditioning on fear based behavior, because everything was about uh, questioning your safety and punishment and and physical, uh, you know you know, strappings or whatever, you know. So uh, everything was fear-based. And I, I and I, I happened to hear, I picked up that term in one of some of my, when I was in my healing journey. And it is so true because uh, uh, you, you can't um, make any kind of quality decisions in life when you're worried about... Um, you know, when you're when you're not thinking clearly, when you when you're trying to reduce your harm and your pain about being some being who you are, and 
and I, I think, yeah, I rec- rarely recognize that term, being having fear-based behavior, and it's, um, and uh, my pivot on that notion is that I want loved-based behavior when I look at my kids, talk to my kids, love-based, love, you know, let's uh, let's make decisions based on a love, you know, what's good for us right now, what do we need to do? So it's um. That's that's my that's my uh, revelation. Is I want that's what I want, and I I always try to keep that in mind. And and right now I think it's I've got one daughter that's working on her master's in nursing, and one daughter that's working on her master's in education, and my other daughter's an office manager, and my son's a rowdy rodbuster rebar worker, construction worker. So, you know, I, I get a mix of everything, and it's like, but it's, um, you know, it's, um, it's still, it's still hard, because there's like, there's still a lot happening, you know, like, you know, whenever you lose a young person because of whatever, it's, it's hard, because in my mind, and some of it's like, you know, um, uh, it's like, because my generation, the ones that, the ones that haven't dealt with, like all the, um, I, I went through like a whole whack of healing stuff to get over. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to be sh- um, shackled with the chains of residential school in my daily life anymore. I did not want that. But you have to do the work to, to get away from that. You can't just like, oh, you know, it's oh, it's not it doesn't affect me. You can't repress it. People try to stuff it down, but you know, you got to deal with it because it'll just, it'll crop its head up, heads up at a seemingly important times, you know, when you're making decisions in life. Like, um, yeah, and, and I, I really, um, I really want, like, everything that, um, you know, people are saying, well, what do you want to do as a survivor? And it's like, for me, it's like all of the survive, all of us that are still living, that are survivors of residential school. I think we're already kind of where we're at, where we're going to be. But the ones that we want to focus on, put our our um, interests on, is, is the young people, the, those like dealing with intergenerational uh, effects, and um, it has affected my, you know, my kids too. And uh, you know, as much as I didn't want it to, it, it did, because you can't hide from it. It's like it's going to happen, and uh, um, and that's why I that's why I sobered up too because I did not I wanted to eliminate anything that was negative, you know, to, to, so in order to see clearly, and uh, it's it's very easy to get sucked into uh, to try to ignore it and not and pretend it's not there, but then if if you don't deal with my generation doesn't deal with those things. It, um, it it's not going to go. It'll it'll crop up in the next in the next generation, and so that's why I, our generation, my generation, has has to do all like all the healing work that they can, and and it's kind of that's what I see, and then I'm really just glad to, you know, that most most of my kids are my kids are good, so. And like when I met my uh, my niece 
in Seattle here. I was like, wow, she's really cool. And really good to see her being happy. I I am disqualified. Happy heart. Happy spirit. Wow. I'm really sorry all that happened. It kind of mind blows me how things are now and how the law is. And yet all, they've done all those things to us, you know, and didn't get put in jail or anything for it. But I'm really glad that you're here and I'm glad that you're healing and I'm glad that you shared your story. So thank you for sharing that. And it must have been really hard all through the years. But Culture, culture is healing. Like I've been working with uh, alumni elder L. Scott Johnny, who's been a tremendous wealth of information and cultural teachings and language. And uh, I feel like it's really helped me ground my character in the Lummy character, into a Lummy character. Like Rudy the bus driver is, I think it's like, it's really, for me, it's like the backbone of it is from my talks with Al Scott Johnny, who I happen, happen to have known, I've known him for a few years now. Cause uh, I did, a, uh, I did, a, I helped, um, I, I helped to do a play in White Rock a number of years, about five, five years ago in White Rock. It was, uh, it was the 150-year celebration of the city of White Rock, and um, they did a like a retrospective kind of a musical, like a, a story about the city of White Rock. And my friend who was doing the play, he said, "Sam, I think the legend of White Rock itself, the White Rock that's on the beach, the legend. I think that's a native legend. It's not a. It's not a Greek le- legend. Like it's and they, and he said." I, could you come and take a look at this, and, you know, with their script? And so I said, I did. Okay, I'll take a look at it. And I went, and it was this the uh, White Rock, uh, traditionally called Puk Elis, and in uh, our first name, the Samiamo people. And I checked the legend of Puk Elis was from Kauch, a Kauchin legend, um, where about two chiefs, the young chief was arguing with the older chief to marry his daughter and they got into a big fight and he said and the young chief picked up this boulder and he says wherever this boulder lands is where I'm going to bring my wife and my people so legend has he threw it across the water from, from the island and it landed in Semiamu and that's so that's where that, that's where the people came from they they went and settled there and and, th- and so and that was Puk Elis. Puk is white. Puk Elis is white rock. And I checked the legend with the uh, Kauachan elder, Arvid Charlie. And then I checked the... Uh, I, I, I talked to Sammy Amu with, about Arvid Charlie's. And they said to check what their elder is in Lummi is Al Scott Johnny. So I checked with Al Scott Johnny and we, we talked. We met and talked. And and he, he acknowledged, yes, it, yeah, that is, that's where the legend came from so uh, bringing this to to the play it's like it's not a Greek legend this is a traditional story about Puk Elis is a, it's a white rock it's a, a traditional native legend that brings this story about and so we put it into the play and it really opened the eyes of the city of white rock you know that it's a, it's a, it's a native beginning to the city and also um it, it was uh, it, you know, it was really good because it could, 
it made connections because the city and the Samyama were having, they were trying to negotiate water rights. And and I think this, the, the play actually brought them back to the table. And within a year or two, like, Samyama was tied back in to the water system of White Rock because there were disputes or whatever. But I felt like we had some, me and Al and Arvid, and we all brought it together to make it a part, you know, bring the story back out. And it was, um, and it's it's really, I really believe that it's like, that's uh, healing, you know? It's when we bring back our culture, bring back our teachings. Yeah. It's very much a healing, healing thing. So. It totally is. That's cool that you found that and brought that back, you know? Because like you said, some things don't get told in our ways, so you went and found that, and like you needed to be there so that you could tell that. I also got a part in the play. To the, in the <laughs> he's because he's, my buddy who's doing the play, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, well, you might as well do the story. You could do it in the, you could do the story in the play. You could, and he said, um, and so they quickly dovetailed me my scenes into the play. And, and the Semiamu um, artist made me a beautiful cedar cape. Aww. It was really gorgeous. I'll show you pictures. And, and uh, yeah, but no, it's really nice being out here in, in, in Lummi territory and the, seeing this whole, uh, well, actually, Lummi and Nooksack territory. Aww. So it's really nice to be out here to see, to, it's beautiful, like out in the, out in the ocean. And, a canoe, a canoe story. I really love that because when I was little, we used to, we used to travel to the um, across the line to junior races all the time. And when there was no there was no problems crossing the border because we're what going to watch the canoe races. We're we're with the canoe clubs or whatever. And, but now crossing the border is a little more political than it, than it ever was. So, and I I really feel like. We uh, we need a we need a Coast Salish passport yeah. because our people our people uh, we've always traveled for each other's longhouses tradition. Mm-hmm. We've also traveled, you know, for the canoe races. Also, you know, namings and weddings and family relations. My uncle used to live on KG Road for a while. You know, he was married there. So it's like our families. You know, we should just get our, our own, like the Haudenosaunee people have their own passport. We should get our own Coast Salish passport because we've always shared the shared the traditions, shared the ways, and we've always. And uh, I'd like to see us work towards acknowledging that, the getting it recognized at the border because we shouldn't have that much problems to to cross and do things to live our lives. Exactly. I know, like, some people, like, get charters over here and they're not even able to go back and go see their family and stuff. And I think that's just so wrong, you know, like, you know, because that's where they're from and you're just going to disregard them from where they're from. Yeah, you know what that reminds me of, too? It's like, you know, didn't didn't Germany have that problem? You know, people, uh, people don't remember that. The Berlin Wall, families being separated by a wall. So it's like, why can't, let, can't, why can't we use the democracy that we have and uh, recognizing the freedoms that we have you know to, to be able to freely cross and, and to do our to share our you know if we have to you know share our salmon or to con- 
situations. And, you know, just to be there for each other. Hachkas, yeah. Um, what got you into writing and um, wanting to become an actress? Oh, my goodness. Oh, actually, um, my sister, my late sister, she passed away last month. She, she got me into acting. Yeah, I know. She was an awesome. She was a... Cat Norris was a tremendous advocate for the people, and um, but no, she got me into it, and then I just I don't know. I really liked English in high school. I liked the part of us when we were studying plays in, in English class, and I kind of it was kind of the same thing about studying scripts. So I always had that, and uh, and then when I first did a scene. In front of instructors, I just a short summer program, and and uh, watching them, watching watching the instructors all react to uh, some scene that I was basically all I, all I did was underline all the words that I, that I looked like important in the scene, and I just emphasized those words. That was that was the only thing I did. That was that I and it, the way I did it, they they're all laughing and they're all like. They were all enthralled, you know. You know, I could tell. See, when somebody's, you've got an audience, because so, I wasn't really sure what I was doing at the time. But, and then uh, getting some training, doing some work with Spirit Song in Vancouver Theater. It's not there anymore. It's an old Native Theater company. And then, and then, getting cast right out of school. Like they came, people, these com- uh, production companies would come to the school to look for actors. And I got a couple of jobs right away out of school, you know. They'd let me out of school to do a TV shows or a movie or something. And then after I graduated, then, um, you know, still keeping busy with with it. And and lately, that's all, that's all I've been doing is is uh, all anything with acting. And, um, and just being able to do that full time. I'm really fortunate. And, and I'm really... And I have made really good friends, and a lot of my friends are have gone on to do really big things and are doing really big things. So I'm really lucky, you know, to be to be part of it and sharing. And I I teach a free acting class at the Vancouver Native Friendship Center on Monday nights. Me and my friend Curtis Anikyu, like we we just want to keep passing it on, you know, passing it forward. And it's free, even uh, and it. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. I really get a lot of joy out of it. Because so, uh, and it's sort of the same thing. Even working with new actors, like on the show, working with new actors, it's it's nice to see them blossoming and getting, you know, energized and some as a way of you know ex- expressing themselves. So that's always that feels like a good thing. It's really awesome. I'm gonna have to come check it out. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, or we, bu- I book small gigs for the class. We've got one coming up on, on October 26th. It's at a Heart of the City Festival. We're going to do 30 minutes of comedy, comedy skits. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really fun. Um, how many uh, acting things have you or acting stuff have you done? Um, well, actually, one of my highlights I got to do. Um, I shot a film with Anthony Hopkins a few years back. It's called Blackway, and uh, I got to do a scene. I work, worked with him for two days, and it was amazing. It was amazing. It was like 
my agent called me and said, um, she called me like on a Thursday or Friday and she goes, hey, do you, um, a, a film called and they want to know if you're available for Monday. I was like, oh, sure, okay. And I, they said, it's working with Anthony Hopkins. I went, oh, oh yeah, no problem. I think I can, I think I can fit him in. <laughs> and so I went to Enderby, shot this thing in Enderby and BC. Uh, and, and it was just all, we shot it all in a little diner. And he was amazing. It was like having a legend on set. It was like one of the craziest things. Because... <clears throat> Because when you have a legend on set, everybody's like, everybody's like taken aback. Everybody's, and he was so nice, so cordial, and and it was nice to talk, to chat with him too. Because he was, um, you know, he just he just he told me that I love making films. It's what <laughs> I love to do. I love it. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's like, me too, me too. And then uh, and. And we did the scene, and I got to watch how he worked. And the, the thing that I really took away, my my uh, takeaway for me was that I was watching how he worked, how how he was um, he was incisive, focused. Yeah, uh, how he took direction and how he fed the story in the scene. Cause and uh, and I was like. All these little things that he was doing, I, I was like, wow, a lot of that is like the same way that I do things, I, the way I see see things. I was like, and the the reification for me was that, you know what, I'm okay, I, I, I'm okay at, at this job too, because Anthony Hopkins, well, Tony, he liked to be called Tony, Tony was doing the same things that I was doing, and, I'm, and I was watching him, and I was, I'm standing shoulder to shoulder with him, and we're both working and I felt like I was I felt like you know you don't I felt like there's a certain amount of doubt self-doubt that comes into a being an actor mm-hmm. but at that moment I didn't I didn't have that anymore because friggin if Tony's doing the same thing and I'm doing, it's like he's legend I'm like working with and it's like the similar there's similar traits in his yeah. like work how he worked I was like yeah I'm good I'm good I, I go with that <laughs> yeah uh, and uh, oh other things I've uh, I've done a, um, actually I'm in a TV series right now called Louder Milk but we got stopped because of COVID and um, hopefully we can come back and do a fourth season yeah. and I did three seasons of a TV show called uh, Health Nuts that was a while back in Canada and um, I've done several film things, film projects. Um, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, no, traveling around. I do a lot of theater too. I do a lot of theater. I'm doing a theater show in January, in no February and March. We're doing a play in Calgary and in Ottawa, in Canada. We're traveling um, for for five weeks and I'm looking forward to that because it's, it's it's uh I've never I've haven't done a play in Ottawa before and, and I've done play a play in Calgary before but not like a this is a full production so 
yeah, it's a comedy. And plus, it's a comedy. I love comedies, so. All right. They're going to steal you. But I just want to say, hi, Shka. Thank you for all of your words and everything that you're doing. It's really awesome. And just telling me about your healing journey and the things you went through in the residential schools. And just um, the fact that you're here and you're helping all of our younger um, actors as well. I think that's really cool that they get to experience this with you with you and I'm just glad that you're here is there anything that you'd want to tell upcoming actors and what they would oh yeah get training get training wherever you can um, and uh, don't be afraid to to try things like if, even if it sounds weird be, oh I got one thing um, um, yeah you when you do an audition like if you want to try it for stuff fall right into the script doesn't matter how badly it's written or how weird it sounds just fall I call it falling into belief the notion like falling in love but for acting it's falling into belief of the story whatever the script is and you do it to a hundred yeah because um, my advice is I I did an audition once and it was a science fiction show and it had something to do with them um, creatures walking around the reserve and that was the sheriff native sheriff or something and i was like this is so stupid i just went in there and i, I didn't i just was like this is dumb i did i didn't i just kind of blew the audition up and the audition i just kind of flubbed it without real and it turns out it was i ended up being one of the biggest fans of x-files the tv show and if and I blew an audition, and I ended up being the big one of the big nerdy fans of X Files, because I didn't, because I was like, thought I was like, oh, look at this script, what is this? But never judge anything, you know. Never judge anything to, you know, at face value, because you never know how creative creativity can, you know, it can 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 affect can affect uh, your work. So. Thank you, Sam, Bob. I really appreciate your time today. Now go have some fun. <laughs> yep. Oh, see ya. Yeah, yeah. All right, top, all right, top. Okay. Hi, Shka. Thank you, Sam, Bob, for taking the time to share your stories with us. You are an important role model to our people. You show light and passion in the things you are doing in your life. It was great to meet you and interview with you. I'm grateful for your presence and was glad to listen to your stories. It was an honor to be able to sit with you and just listen to you and what you had to say and to the future generations with the people that are coming up behind us. Again, Haishka, and thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to Young and Indigenous. You can follow us at YAYAI podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Haishka to the First Nations Development Institute and the Discurrent Foundation. Our hands go up to you. Yay is part of Children of the Setting Sun Productions. Intro song by Keith Jefferson, Adam Lawrence, and Mark Nichols. Original music by Mark Nichols, Julie Lewis, and Shinoa Agawa. Thank you to the creator of this original flute music, Smackia. Oi.
Wait.